So you kind of like get an escape reality from a while, but at the same time, you're like in reality, you're like hanging out with your friends and just like having a good time. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern, and we are finally getting back to an episode about a hobby. So for those of you who are new listeners to the show... In this show, I interview people about either a career or a hobby that they are really passionate about, and they go over how they got into it, the ins and outs of what a day in the life is like for that career or what that hobby is all about, and then uh, advice for how they would recommend somebody get started. So for a while now, we've been on a run of doing lots of different careers, so good to get back to an episode about hobby. In today's episode, I interviewed Lisa Gross about Dungeons & Dragons. So like the usual hobby episode, the main focus here is about exactly what Dungeons and Dragons is and how do you play. And after hearing all about it, I am totally sold and really ready to start up a Dungeons and Dragons crew here in San Francisco. So if you play Dungeons and Dragons and you live in San Francisco, please go to my website and email me through there. I would love to get together with you. Without further ado, here is Dungeons and Dragons. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So I am Really excited to have you here. I'm kind of a nerd myself. I I love nerd culture. I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. And something that I never really got into was Dungeons & Dragons. So I'm really excited to learn about it. I think that you're going to be like the perfect teacher about Dungeons & Dragons. And hopefully we can kind of break some molds and bring some people to the Dungeons & Dragons family today. Because you are a young, energetic, fun, good-looking young woman who likes to play Dungeons and Dragons. You don't just like live in your mom's basement. You don't eat Cheetos all day. You are fit, love to do yoga, love to go out and party, and yet you also every week play Dungeons and Dragons. That is so awesome. This is very true. Um, What's great about this podcast, too, is so frequently I get asked by so many different people um, in my life. They're so curious about Dungeons and Dragons, so... It's not just for nerdy people, and hopefully we can get down to what it's all about and get some people into it, because it's the best thing ever. Dude, I am excited. So before we jump into the how the hell do you play Dungeons & Dragons and all of that, why don't we start with how you started Dungeons & Dragons? I would imagine that it's not just the type of thing that you pick up and play. You're not just like walking around Target. You're like, oh, that looks like a fun game. I'm going to start playing that. It's probably a pretty steep learning curve. There's probably a process to getting introduced to it. Totally. Um, Well, I've been a gamer my whole life. I think I started playing video games around the age of 12. But Dungeons & Dragons is completely different from the video game world. However, I think it has a lot of ties. A lot of people that are interested in video games do enjoy Dungeons & Dragons, too. So... I think it stemmed from that. It stemmed from having friends that were um, involved in video games and then, you know, just one day decided we should start a D&D group and the, the rest was history. So was there one person within the group that had already played D&D or uh, like you guys were all virgins together that just decided to take this plunge? 
We were all kind of virgins together. At the point that I joined this group in particular, our dungeon master had a little bit of experience, but uh, we've been campaigning together for probably about two years now. And when we first started, he had only kind of just run games here and there. Nothing was very serious at that at that point. Dude, as somebody who, like I said, is a nerd and like I love playing RPG video games and stuff like that, I- I'm like getting fired up just hearing you use terms already like campaigning and Dungeon Master stuff like yes. that. Like this is really exciting. All right. So uh, what it, like how long did it take you guys before as a group of friends you could even really start playing and you guys were like gelling as a group? Was there this long lead time where you guys would meet up, get together and not know what the hell you were doing? Yeah, it was all kind of trial and error for all of us. Um, Our dungeon master had like a pretty good idea of what was going on. And so did a few of our other um, players. But honestly, I still think that to this day, we're still all learning things. It's such a complex game that you can't possibly learn all of it in one sitting. And I also think that games game styles are going to vary from one group to the next. Um, we might play a certain way that doesn't go exactly the way that the rule book says or, or things like that, but it's just so complicated. that. So in this way, a- it sounds maybe a little bit like playing chess or learning to play chess. So you could learn to play chess and you can get through mm-hmm. a game of chess with somebody else as a complete beginner. And you're following all the rules. You're doing everything right. And in the, in the realm of chess, But as you learn, things just keep changing and you keep learning and you keep getting better and having that world expanded to you as you learn more about it. Yeah, very true. Very true. And Dungeons and Dragons comes out with new additions, too. I think uh, we just started the fifth edition, which has been awesome, but they're just constantly updating things, adding to the game. So it also just depends what edition you play and um, you need to learn for whatever edition that you're playing. So let's go into a little bit of what Dungeons and Dragons is. So I imagine this is very hard to explain just from talking to you a little bit before. I know that you can kind of do whatever the hell you want um, Mm -hmm. within reason. So um, give us like a a quick overview, if you could, of what Dungeons and Dragons is. Sure. Um, This is before I start a question that I get asked very often and not until recently did I really know how to answer this because it is such a complex, interesting game that isn't really like anything else. But to kind of sum it up, um, I've gotten better at doing this. It's, it's like an ongoing fantasy story. It's a lot like improv. So, um, so much of D&D is like shared storytelling. You're, uh, you're sitting at a table with a bunch of your friends together. You go on adventures. You go on quests. You find treasure, kill monsters. Uh, it's really just a, a game that's a series of encounters and things that you have to overcome as a group together. And like I was saying, it's really all improv. You don't have a board game. You don't have props besides your little miniatures, your player character sheet, and dice. Otherwise, everything's... Uh, it's verbal. Um, it's all just talking to each other and being creative and thinking of things on the whim. And like you said, you can kind of just do whatever you want as long as it's within reason. All right. So let's try to break down that answer a little bit more. You talk about mm-hmm. the uh, like the people and the dice and stuff like that. Is there also a board that you play with? Um, or do you make a drawing? Or what, like, what is the world that's created? Is it all just your kitchen table? 
<laughs> so we do use we use a grid system, and this is just to be used as a, a pretty loose guideline for what's actually going on, just for everyone to get a visual. The grid system provides um, a, a lot of what has to do with your character is your movement, how far away something is, um, how you know if you want to attack something, you have to be within range. Your spells have to be within a certain range, so that kind of keeps that all in check. You can't just decide you want to blast this dragon that's like 500 miles away. You know, like it all has to be very like within reason. So that's a guideline. And this grid system that we use, we just draw in with dry erase markers. We can um, use it for like whatever dungeon we're in, erase it. And then the next time we do something else, just start all over and start drawing on the map for, for a guideline. Now, do you just draw that map out and, and draw on this grid of yours uh, like at the start of each campaign, or are you continually adding or subtracting things from it? Does it change as the game goes on? Yeah, continually adding and subtracting. We might start, I mean, even one campaign, I feel like usually for us runs about six months. Um, then we kind of just fizzle whoa, out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're not just playing like one round in an evening. You're staying with that one no, game for a long time. Yeah, it's it's ongoing. It's, it's really, it doesn't really have to ever be ending, but we just find that our campaigns start to lack freshness and excitement when they've been going on for six months it tend we, we take a little break and then start again something different but yeah it's something that we meet once a week usually our sessions are about five hours and then um we'll do that for about six months straight so it's like it's a real story you get really involved with your characters you get really involved with each other's characters and um yeah, that's awesome. So you draw this grid out. Uh, the dungeon master, I know, is the guy that kind of sets the stage for everything verbally. How long at the initial setup of a game is the dungeon master talking for? At, at the, I mean, at the end of this, at the, I'm sorry, at the beginning of this six month period, at mm-hmm. the start of a completely fresh campaign. I mean, is this guy just orating for like an hour trying <laughs> to set the stage for what you guys are about to do? Yeah, he doesn't do a whole lot of talking. He'll send us a background about whatever world it is that we're about to uh, enter our characters into. So we get a general idea that way. When the campaign itself does start, He'll talk a little bit. He'll give us kind of a little rundown. Our dungeon dungeon master too is really the ultimate storyteller. He has to be um, a master storyteller, be able to be very creative, well spoken, and ultimately creative because he does so much of the role playing for the group. So, so because yeah, that role is so uh, kind of special and specific, um, do at first I would have asked if you guys rotate dungeon master so that way you know each dungeon master also gets to play but it sounds like that's probably not the case huh we do we rotate two dungeon masters um one of them you know is very into literature he's really good with words and just being a storyteller so is the other one um and actually they're both phenomenal dungeon masters but it's not for everybody um a lot of us in the group don't really have an interest in doing dungeon mastering. We like to play yeah, a bit more. I would imagine that like, um, that's got to be more fun <laughs> to play, right? Yeah, the dungeon master gets a lot of homework too, because uh, that role falls entirely on him, and the rest of us are just players. So he he has a lot of work. But so, what is some of the homework, and what's some of the extra stuff that the dungeon master has to do behind the scenes that you guys aren't even paying attention to? Sure. So. 
anytime that we um, enter a new part of our campaign or whatnot, we're going to encounter new monsters. The dungeon master, he has things like a dungeon master's handbook, a monster's manual. These are things that are kind of like exclusive to the dungeon master. So he has to do homework on like what kind of creatures we're going to encounter, like all their stats and how they're going to match up against stars and yada, yada, yada. So he has to go through um, all of that and kind of just like plan. The dungeon master will kind of plan out uh, the goal of the next day of the campaign. So he'll have to be prepared for what action might yeah, take place. Yeah, he exactly. But two with Dungeons and Dragons is even if he wants to plan something out, like we as a group can decide to do something he totally didn't even think of and just go a different way. So he has like a guideline of what he expects to happen. And um, we, we try to, do things that are realistic too for our campaign setting so yeah so i what I, okay what let, let's talk about the player side a little bit what are you and are you not allowed to do to the point that you said earlier about like oh i'm just gonna shoot that uh dragon from like 500 miles away obviously that <laughs> might be like a difficult thing to do but can you as a character just be like my character just turned invisible or like you know, I'm flying right now. And are, is everyone going to look at you like, what are you talking about, dude? No, you are not flying right now. Or is it like, all right, you said you're flying. I guess you're flying. Right, right. So <laughs> so you cannot just fly at any given moment unless you're some really high-level wizard or you have some crazy skills. Um but you can do things such as say, like, I slap that hobbit's dick off. You could uh, slap actually, a hobbit's dick off. <laughs> that's actually from a Key and Peele skit, but um, that's one example that uh, I like to use. Yeah, sure. If you encounter a hobbit at the bar, you can you can say the most ridiculous things that you want to, that you can think of. Um, or, you know, if one of your teammates is a dwarf, you can be like, I pick the dwarf up and throw him into the wall. Like you can really do whatever you want. <laughs> However, that being said, the dungeon master is going to ask you to make certain ability checks. So like if you want to slap the hobbit's dick off, he's probably going to ask you to make a dexterity check because hobbits are pretty quick, nimble creatures. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so you have to decide it. Like, do you really want to waste your time trying to slap this hobbit's dick off? Or right. are you going to use your dexterity better elsewhere? Yeah. You have have to weigh out the pros and the cons because you know and even if you do make the dex check and you succeed on at slapping the hobbit stick off well what if the town guard comes and gets you now like you, you gotta you gotta weigh all these things out but so would that be that's interesting things like the law and stuff like that with uh, you bringing up the town guard is that up to the dungeon master like if you go and do something weird can the dungeon master be like oh look out the police just came you're in jail <laughs> Sure. I mean, that could happen. All of our characters, too, we have alignments with, um, like, lawful good, uh, lawful neutral, neutral good, and and evil, too. You know, these all kind of give a general idea of, like, what, who our characters are as personalities. However, I don't think that you can play as an evil character. You have to have some element of... Yeah, you know. that's good. That makes sense because I would imagine that if you allowed someone to be an evil character, that it would just you get just, too out of hand. People would just right. be you too crazy with that. I don't think you could. You couldn't. Uh, I mean, 
a group of evil people and a group of good people just aren't going to mesh. So you could never play as a group together. But it would be interesting to see how a group of all evil play all evil players um played together we've never done that before but. yeah yeah so it sounds like dungeons and dragons is kind of like a story that hasn't really been that you're trying to read but that also hasn't fully been written yet mm-hmm. um that everyone's just kind of like creating together as they yeah, go on and exactly the board is not like this big nice artistic thing it's just like a grid with some basic drawings on it and you move around this grid with your yeah. with your characters so uh take us through like let's say the start of a game like give us like a really basic scenario that someone might be given and what your first like couple of of quote-unquote moves would be sure well first before we start a game before we start a campaign we roll characters and just to kind of go through this really briefly you get to choose a um a race in the class that you would like to be so a race could be something like dwarf elf uh human those are very generic examples um Class could be something like a cleric or the healer, warrior, paladin, wizard. At that point, you choose kind of what you are. You choose a name for your character. Um, you roll for your abilities. So um, just in a nutshell, like how, uh, what, how good you are in each category. So like dexterity, intelligence, charisma, and so on. So you get really the foundation for your character made. If you are a... Uh, magic using character you'll get some spells you should probably research them find out what they do and you'll also get some different skill abilities as as a a melee class too or or a fighter um so at that point you just you really want to build your character you want to think of we also as a group kind of create a storyline for our own characters so our homework before we even start a campaign our dungeon master likes to us to think of just you know one or two paragraphs about where our um, where our character came from, their upbringing, just kind of a background, so everyone knows where that person's coming from and builds a personality. You're now, like, mine is named Lisa. She's <laughs> super good looking. She's really popular. I think we all know that. She has great taste in clothing, and she kills everything all the time. Exactly. Nailed it. <laughs> um, so after the point of characters is is made, the dungeon master you know, goes through the campaign. We kind of all start. Now, as a group, we don't all know each other when the campaign starts. So we'll generally like start in a town or some area like that and we we know that like we're intended to run into each other so we our characters you know kind of walk around oh why are you here why are you here oh and, and so this is like a like, role play within the role play almost like, yeah <laughs> you're yeah, like faking yeah, yeah. that you don't know <laughs> this fake person right right all right so, I mean that's it's it's kind of cheesy we kind of just like play through I that but but um yeah after that point when we're all established, we all know each other. Oh, okay. Like we're here. We're, uh, looks like we're on a similar mission. We should all probably like stick together. Let's like start this quest. Um, and then at that point, like whatever the quest is, if I don't know, just for, for easy grasping sake, like, Oh, our first quest, uh, we go to this dungeon. We need to find this like evil dude. And, kill him because he's doing evil things and like 
you know, we do that. But then like while we're doing that quest, it might lead to like a series of a few other different quests. Like Like, it turns out that this evil dude was only the peon and there's some (laughs) like grand warlock somewhere else. Exactly. Pulling all the strings. Exactly. So can you, all right, let's say you want to go to a cave uh Mm -hmm. do you have a certain number of spaces that you are allowed to move like do you have to like roll some dice and be like okay i rolled 12 and then like you go around and each person moves in order or are you just like i'm going to the cave right now see you later and like you (laughs) or does everyone move as a group together individually how's that work when we're not in combat and we're just kind of you know sitting around role-playing shooting the shit about like what it is we're doing or like where we're traveling to like yeah we more or less will just like fast travel to somewhere we maintain um like we'll we'll decide like hey um so we want to travel to this cave but we know it takes two days so we need to stop and camp and we need to someone needs to take watch while like everyone's sleeping um and brief scenarios like that but if we're traveling to a cave that's two days away we're not gonna like roll for a thousand different turns to like move 10 spaces each time now when the spaces really come into play the most are battles um so when when you're in combat uh, how far away a monster is um, if your spells can reach that far if your arrows can reach that far if he's in range to attack you and so on and so forth so let's say you lay down to go to sleep your, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. your character lays down to go to sleep. Everyone lays down to go to sleep except for the person that is staying watch for the night. And let's say something does come up on you guys. Mm-hmm. Now, is it is it actually planned out, like, how you guys are spaced out while you're sleeping? Therefore, like, if, if something's attacking you from the west, the dude who's on the east side is, like, too far away and he has to move before he can start helping? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked that. Um, our... So that does happen. Usually when we set up camp, our dungeon master will make us roll, or rather he'll roll on three separate occasions to like, usually it's three, to see if we get attacked by anything. So this is like an instance where like, not only does the dungeon master like play ultimate storyteller, but he kind of plays like referee too. And like the person who calls the shots, he's the person who's also like keeping the story like ongoing and exciting. So he'll... Dice come into to play a lot, so he'll roll a dice, and depending on you know what he's trying to roll for, that'll determine if we get attacked by anything. If we do get attacked by something, it'll determine like it'll determine what's attacking us. Um, so, but in most general situations, for like our group in particular, if we're attacked by something, the person who's keeping watch will you know like move to go wake us all up. So. You know, we're very, awake. Very we're awake for the battle. Yeah, Unless yeah. we get sneak attacked or the person who's keeping watch had too much to drink or something. <laughs> Can that happen? <laughs> Can it be like, sorry, you had too much to drink? What, would the dungeon master tell the person that? No, 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 no. You remember the bar earlier today? Yeah, I think you remember it. You slapped a hobbit's dick off and you threw a dwarf against the wall. That was crazy. <laughs> so that's another instance, too, where like these checks that i briefly mentioned earlier like really come into play like um if you want to make the dungeon master will um make you do like a a check to see if you hear what's coming um and if you pass that check you hear what's coming and these checks that need to be made will generally use our d20 or 20 sided dice roll 
the dungeon master has a number that he knows that you need to get above to complete that check, and he'll let you know if you've completed that check, if you've succeeded, and you hear what's coming. Wow. So is this like a video game in that your the level of things you're fighting against and your own level continues to get better and better and better? Yeah, it's um, it's very much so like classic RPG setup where you you start from the bottom, you don't have anything, and you work your way up. You acquire all these skills and hit points and armor and all these things that like generally make you stronger as you as you um, as your character levels up. Um, the dungeon master usually does a pretty good job at maintaining battles that are around our similar level. However, we've had a few instances in the past where the dungeon master really fucks with us and sends, <laughs> <laughs> sends some uh, some really hard shit after. Yeah. After. <laughs> so what happens if you like as you level up do you have like in a video game you would as well have like a certain amount of life like a certain amount of hit mm-hmm. points and mm-hmm. as you level up that'll be one of the bonuses that you get with leveling up is your amount of life will increase your yeah. amount of hit points will yeah. increase does this happen as well every time you level you you roll your die again the die is so important in the game you have you have a few different die but you roll um one of them that your character uses in particular the player's handbook can always talk more about specifics of that, but you roll a die, you add whatever you roll to your character's hit points, and now you have I that love many more the hit points. Dice thing. I love. I love like the amount of chance that's involved yeah. in everything. Yeah. That it's not. Yeah. It, 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 it's like I feel like that more than anything else would would keep you wanting to play, would keep you going right. because it's not just like, oh, I leveled up again. I guess I get two more hit like, points. It's like, yeah, well, I could I get 10. I, I could get, get boned exactly. and only get one or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Same when you're rolling all your character stats at the beginning. Like every stat that you roll for, intelligence, strength, charisma, dexterity, like all of those are created by rolling die. And you could have like, a really stupid character like you could roll that your character's really dumb and <laughs> and you just have to deal with it like you're kind of gonna you know that you kind of just have to roll with that and and ultimately role play what are the types but, of situations that would come up where your intelligence plays into it uh, a lot of so a lot of i mean, I mean i'm sorry do. your character's intelligence not your personal yeah. intelligence well let's see for instance um intelligence could come into play where you're like i don't know negotiating with the town mayor or something maybe you get you're all in a sticky situation with the the town mayor and your dumbass speaks up and says something it shouldn't have and now the negotiations have gone to shit or i don't know it it could really be anything but okay um, (laughs) cool or it'll be like you're trying to sneak up on a monster and you tripped and fell and now that would yeah, I mean, that would be more like dexterity, which influences okay, right, like how right. agile you are. But right along the exact same similar lines as that um, in all of these stats too, really come into play once again with all of those checks that the dungeon master is constantly having you make throughout the game. That's what kind of keeps you in check is making those checks like, OK, I want to do something. I want to do this thing. But the dungeon master is gonna make me roll and see if I can do it. And if I'm real, if I want to like, if I want to like jump across this giant ditch, and I'm like really 
dexterous, like chances are if I roll decent, like I'll be able to do it. But if I have really low dexterity, like that's not going to help my cause in, in whatever it is I'm trying to do. So have you ever it, rolled just like the worst character ever? Like the like every <laughs> stat is just terrible. I've been pretty lucky. Some of the other people I've played with haven't. Um, I I've had a few characters with like one really crappy like attribute, um, and you just kind of deal with it. Usually, like you know, different like races and classes have um, their programmed already to be like really strong in a certain area so like a cleric the healer i typically gravitate towards a healer but they want to be really high in wisdom and um depending what kind of cleric you make um you know intelligence might or not intelligence but i don't know or let's use a wizard a wizard you want high intelligence you're not going to care about strength that much because you're very much so depending on all of your spell casting a wizard's not gonna do very much hand-to-hand combat so why would you care about strength yeah um, and then you just kind of like play off of those attributes that like your character is good at so you naturally get a buff to certain attributes just by the nature of what class of character you are yeah yeah so exactly okay cool so how is it that a game ends up taking six months? I just can't even imagine that. So you guys play weekly for six months. What What is that? That's uh, 24 times that you guys are playing. Yeah. So yeah. I, what is going on for 24 months straight? Is it just like you went in this cave? Oh, no. Like there, your princess is in another castle just over <laughs> and over and over again. Uh, the and, and this, too, is like something that so heavily depends on your dungeon master and we are so lucky to have dungeon masters that are like super creative people and like can keep the game really entertaining for so long. But a lot of it is like, obviously we're there because of the game and it's super fun, but that's like 75% of it. The other like 25% of it for me, well, I guess this is actually just a bonus, but like you're there with your friends, you're there like having a good time. So it's not always about the game. You're just like, you're there hanging out with your friends. You're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So like, it's, it's really just, I don't it, know. No, fun. it sounds awesome. Yeah. I imagine there's like a lot of like drinking and good times involved, like, like playing <laughs> poker with, with the homies. Yeah. And it changes. It does change. Like I said, that all comes back to how creative your dungeon master can be and like what different storylines can be thought of and go from there. Yeah. So what about the possible things that you can do? If let's say you're, you're, you guys invite like a new person into your group, which Mm -hmm. I assume you never would, because it's probably just like, (laughs) oh my God, this guy always trying to do the dumb stuff. But let's say you invite a new person into your group and he's just like, um, I shot laser beams out of my eyes. Are are you just like, (laughs) no, like. Like, what do you even roll for that? Like, that's not intelligence. That's not strength. Like, I don't even know how to tell you to roll for that. Yeah. You're like, no, you're stupid. And then you're kicked out of the group. (laughs) (laughs) So so step one, if anybody wants to play Dungeons and Dragons is just err on the side of caution. Don't just go balls to the wall trying to kill everything. Right. Um, well, you know, we've, we've had a few people come and go and me, myself, I was new at one point. Um, a lot of the people that we play with though, they already 
kind of have a general basis of like fantasy role-playing games. They kind of like understand the concept of a role-playing game, which Dungeons and Dragons ultimately is. So we haven't had a deal with a lot of those scenarios. Um, so I know I that imagine... there's like a player's handbook. There's a dungeon yeah. master's handbook. There's a monster handbook for like the different things that you'll face. Mm-hmm. Um, and others. It, like in the player's handbook, does it go over what types of things you can do? Um, yeah. And it kind of, if it's the, not in the player's handbook, then you can't do it? Well, the player's handbook is a guide for like how you should build your character, like your core stats of your character. And yes, like all the abilities that your character should have. And even kind of like hints at different types of personalities that your character should develop depending upon the race and class. But aside from that, that just kind of the player's handbook's there as a, you know a guide for how how combat works, how um, different items you pick up, uh, what they do, how much things cost, um, you know, combat equipment, your classes, statistics as you level. It, it has all your spells, so it's a foundation it's um it's very fundamental to the game but it's like the foundation of everything it's you can very still important. do anything you want within reason you, you can still do anything you want within reason so yes. <laughs> have you ever had anyone then try to do something totally insane or people just don't even? oh do yeah that? all the time i mean well like again insane within reason like i think i can remember uh, one of our most recent battles was this battle with this giant like five-headed hydra on a dock and you know, one of our one of our group members, he's a little nimble rogue, decided he wanted to jump on the head of the Hydra and, like, you know, stab it like that. Which, you know, in real life seems really ridiculous, but in Dungeons and Dragons, like you, you can. You can you can do stuff like that, but in real life, <laughs> jumping on a Hydra's head is pretty dangerous. But yeah, in D and D, it's totally it, cool. But, <laughs> All right. but in D and D, it's okay. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds awesome. So let's give people some advice for getting started. Um, mm-hmm. I happen to know about those books, so I guess that's step one: is maybe purchase one of these books and read a little bit about it. The books is probably going to be the the biggest thing that can help you, particularly if you are going into this without knowing anyone who already plays, you're going to heavily rely on the books. And the good thing uh, about the the fifth edition books that just came out, all of them are super informative, but I feel like fifth edition for me was really um, just clarified. It was really easy to read. It was really easy to grasp like the concept of Dungeons and Dragons a little bit more than the other editions that I'd played. So if you just really pay attention while you're reading and read through things, you're going to get a pretty good grasp of how things play out. Otherwise, I mean, if you have someone you already know who plays and they let you in their group, obviously that's going to be like the ideal situation. They can kind of coach you through things that you don't know. But if you're coming into this new, just get your friends together, get the books. It's intended to be fun, but it does require an element of seriousness. I mean, I know for our group that gets together on Mondays, like you don't miss a Monday, like unless you're sick or out of town, like you just don't like you have to be passionate about it. Like it's a very serious thing, Um, but you're totally it's it's there to have fun. So how many people do you need to form a group? Is it, we, is it a fixed number? No, it's not a fixed number. We play 
so you have a dungeon master and then really at that point, I would say between three and eight people to be playing with would be ideal. We were playing with a really big group, like eight or nine. And while it's fun, it's fun to have everyone there. It's also like tends to become like kind of crazy sometimes because a lot of like side chats will go on. I feel like the magic number is really around like five people or so you can stay focused you can have fun five people Um, total including the dungeon master uh, i would say like dungeon master plus like four to five people okay or four to six but like any more than that it like really kind of tends to get crazy unless like everyone's focused i mean if you don't have four friends then Mm I mean, you should probably be doing other things with your time than trying to play Dungeons and Dragons. Anyways, you got to get out there and meet some people, for God's sake. But yes, four friends, just get people together, buy the book, and figure this crap out. Yeah, and you know, like I said, even after a few years of playing campaign with these people, like we're we've all got a grasp on it, but we still learn little things here and there. As long as you guys are all figuring things out together and can agree on certain rules and gameplay you're gonna be fine and the rest is just creative storytelling that you're all going through together yeah lisa this sounds awesome i definitely am gonna look for four i don't know that i have four i mean after i made the joke about four (laughs) friends i don't know if i have four friends around here but uh i definitely want to try to start this because i mean uh, I love video games. What better way to play? I mean, it sounds like you're basically just playing a video game together, but in person and using your imagination a lot more, which is freaking great. And I actually heard this interesting study the other day that was done, and I'll, I'll put a link to this on the show notes. But um, I forget what university did this study on playing first-person shooter video games. And basically, they were just talking about playing multiplayer video games with somebody else. And they said that the other person has to be there in the room with you. But if you're playing an intense video game with somebody else there in the room with you, that your heartbeats will sync up just by nature. The fact that you're like focused on trying to accomplish the same goal and, you know, whatever weird freaking way the universe works, that your heartbeats will sync up. And I imagine there's probably a lot more happening there energetically and stuff between you and the other person when you're trying to achieve this same goal. So I could only imagine the extent to which that probably happens when you are playing D&D with a group of people sitting there at a table all trying to tackle this this thing, you know? Yeah. Probably it, good. It's probably good for your health is what I'm trying I to mean, say. It's great for your health. I mean, like you were saying, you know, video games are one thing. And if you play with people in the same room, that's awesome. That's even better. But like Dungeons and Dragons is just you're you're not even playing a video game. You're just like hanging out with your friends doing like really nerdy stuff. And it's seriously the best. You kind of like get to escape reality from a while, but at the same time, you're like in reality, you're like hanging out with your friends and just like having a good time. And and it's creative. That's the best part. I love it, man. I wish I lived near you so I could uh, just jump. I'll be, I could be the idiot, the new idiot in your group and be like, I'd like to slap a hobbit's dick off, please. I believe Lisa said something about slapping a hobbit's dick off. She said, that's okay. I want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Lisa, dude, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We will go and play some D and D this weekend. Awesome. You better. All right, Lisa, take care. You too. Thanks.
Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, there are links and show notes available on halfhourintern.com. As well, you can follow me on Twitter at halfhourintern or Instagram or Facebook. I've got halfhourintern on those as well. I'm pretty good at locking down my name on social media. Um, if you guys have any ideas for uh, episodes that you would like to hear about, whether that be a hobby or a career, go ahead and tweet at me at halfhourintern and let me know what you want to hear about and I will interview someone for you. Thanks so much.